0: Let's play Shut Up. You start. Go.
1: Hey, folks. It's been a couple of years. Welcome to episode 22. It's, It's taken us... Two years to get from 21 to 22. But uh, anyway, Songs You Should Know, discussing the music of the Rolling Stones' Some Girls album this time, with Jimbo and...
0: The Mixer. <laughs>
1: there we go. So we're coming to you from the Songs You Should Know World Headquarters, this time located in a secret bunker in northern Minnesota. And... I have to tell you that that's why it's taken two years to do this again. We had some security breaches, we had some problems at our central Minnesota location, and we've taken two years to undergo construction of an entirely new facility, underground, with much more security involved. So, um, and we also had to recently relocate our satellite office in Branson, Missouri. We um, did. And keep that, you know, undisclosed as well. But uh, we can't yeah. tell you exactly where the world headquarters is located mm-hmm. in northern Minnesota. I know. No. But um, <laughs> anything you want to say about your location, Mick?
0: Yes. Thank you to uh, uh, Witness Relocation. Ah, yes. Program. That's right. yep. Been great. So uh, it. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted.
1: To, I didn't know if you wanted to let people know that you know or provide any hints that there might have been a reason you had to relocate but.
0: well there's, there's still a lot of uh, legal mumbo jumbo I don't really <laughs> read my mail a whole lot so.
1: alright well we can't tell you uh, where the main office is located but we can tell you that you can see Lake Superior from here
0: oh uh, yeah
1: That's right. We've uh we've chosen three songs from the Some Girls album by the Rolling Stones and uh this was the 14th British album, the 16th American studio album by uh by the Stones and this was released in June of 1978. And I don't know Mick if you want to talk a little bit more about uh what state the Stones were in at that time, but uh
0: yeah so i mean so the stones and of course by 1978 um well let's go back by 1976 the rolling stones popularity was in decline as the music industry was dominated by yes disco and newer rock bands uh in addition the punk movement was an emerging cultural force in the uk right and uh, it was uh the first album to feature ronnie wood as the full-time member, he had uh, done some stuff on Black and Blue, I believe, but this was his first credit as a full-time member.
1: Right, meaning that uh, actually he he actually got a percentage now of the band, you know, right, of, of income and stuff from the band. So, yes, and Ronnie is still the new kid in the band.
0: How many? He, how many years later? And, and I'm not sure how his deal works, but he's uh, he's got a pretty good retainer, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> so this, uh,
1: some girls actually became the the Rolling Stones' top selling album in the U.S. I mean, over the entire history of the Rolling Stones, some girls uh, was the top selling album, and some people say it's the last great Rolling Stones album. Other people. We'll say that uh, Tattoo You probably slides in there too, but... Um,
0: which which would make sense because, uh, I guess I don't want to sp- uh, speak non-factual, but a lot of uh, the tunes uh, off of Tattoo You were done in sessions from some girls. Some so,
1: girls, and uh, yeah, even previous uh, to that, so... Right. It's funny that Tattoo You is kind of a, and we'll have to do another show on that sometime, but Tattoo You was actually sort of a conglomeration of old stuff that they put together yeah. in order to it, be able to
0: go out and, and tour with it. <laughs> yeah, with stuff that was already mostly in the can, and they just right. kind of pieced her together. And...
1: and you are lucky enough, actually I'm lucky enough that I have it, stored here in the vault. Yes. But it's your copy. I was, I was,
0: it's your copy. you're going to say that. Well, in <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll take just a minute. So it was released in 1978 June and so for Christmas in 1978 because my older brother wanted that album so bad, I received it as a Christmas present from him. And so we had it. And I still
1: <laughs> and I still keep it safe for you.
0: And uh, because we kind of glanced over the cover artwork was a controversy because they used like Marilyn Monroe. They used some famous people that they didn't necessarily have the right. Yeah, to use so if you, if,
1: if you remember, this album has the there's cutouts in the uh, in the cardboard, and then the right. inner sleeve shows through. And there right. were images of yeah Marilyn Monroe and. Uh, See, Lucille Ball was in there. Yep, remember that.
0: Yeah, I and uh, yeah. there's there's yeah. more.
1: Yep. So, um, and so there. there became a controversy because they didn't get anybody's permission.
0: Right, and then it was actually repackaged, remember, with just the faces of the stones kind of colored in there.
1: Right, and places uh, places where, uh, where the copyrighted images were just had other stuff inserted in there, or right. you know, just sort of as a joke and everything. but uh, so it is the only Rolling Stones album to ever be nominated for a Grammy Award in the Album of the Year category.
0: Think about that,
1: and it's well. It's not that the role, that the Grammys were that rock and roll <laughs> either. So I mean, <laughs> there's there's all kinds of stories about albums that have gotten, you know that were called right. rock rock albums that got Grammy, you know, Record of the Year or Rock Album of the right. Year and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, or even Metal
0: Album of the Year, I believe. Uh,
1: Didn't Jethro yeah. Tull
0: get that once? There we go. Jethro Tull beat out Metallica, I think. <laughs> That's right, year. yes. By golly.
1: <laughs> now, in the 2020 version of Rolling Stone's uh, 500, the Rolling Stone magazine, are 500 yes. greatest albums of all time this comes in at 468 which I think is a little low but um, anyway I to, but <laughs> I think anyhow. anyhow at least you make the top 500 because a lot of albums have been released
0: well that's true. <laughs>
1: So there we go, Miss You. It was released as the first single a month in advance of Miss You, of uh, Some Girls. So written by Jagger and Richards, it peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot 100, number three on the UK singles chart. And then there was a, yes, there was a special disco version Yes. It was released as the band's first dance dance remix on a 12 inch single, and I don't know if you remember 12 inch singles, Mick, but uh, I
0: do. I do. Yeah, things I they could know.
1: things they could spin in the clubs, you know. And, and <clears throat> yeah, I don't think Denny. I actually ever owned any, to be honest. But no, but they did. They did exist. All right, tell me about how this thing was written.
0: All right, so Miss You was written by Mick Jagger, jamming with keyboardist Billy Preston during rehearsals for the March 77. Uh, that's 1977. Elma Combo Club Gigs in uh, the recordings from which appeared on side three of the Double Live album, which was called Love You Live uh, in 1977. Keith Richards is credited as co-writer, as was the case for all Rolling Stones originals written by either partner or in tandem. And uh, Jagger and Ronnie Wood insist that Miss You wasn't conceived as a disco song. While Richard said Miss You was a damn good disco record, it was calculated to be one. In any case, what was going on in discotheques uh, did make it to the recording. Charlie Watts said a lot of those songs, like Miss You and Some Girls, were heavily influenced by going to the discos. And, you know, I mean, Mick was a big club guy. He uh, definitely liked that scene. You can hear it in a lot of those four to the floor in the Philadelphia style drumming. And that's what, uh, you know, Charlie says, I don't know about disco. It's Mick wanted four on the floor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There we go. (laughs) And then uh, so Bill Wyman on bass. um, He started with Billy Preston's, uh, uh, started from Preston's playing. On the, song, on the song demo, and Billy Preston was playing bass on the demo. And then Chris Kimsey, who, who engineered the recording, um, said Wyman went to quite a few clubs before he got that bass line sorted out. And Kimsey says that made that song. And I, it is a fun little line there, but that uh, that um, boom, 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 you know, the rising yeah. Uh, yeah, the thing little... in there is is very yeah. cool. But... Um, so, yeah, so Jagger and Billy Preston came up with the basic track when they were touring Europe in 76. And then, uh, so, yeah, the bass line came from Billy Preston. They cut a rough demo. Um, and, yeah, Billy Preston picked up the old bass that, uh, that uh, Wyman had left flying around when they started running through the song. And he started doing that bit because it seemed to be the style of his left hand. Um, so when we finally came to do the tune, the boy said, why don't you work around Billy's idea? So I listened to it once and heard that basic run and took it from there. It took some changing and polishing, but the basic idea was Billy's, Billy Preston.
0: Yeah. And I'm not sure if I ever knew that because I, I guess I remember reading that Bill Wyman said that, you know, that he he came up with that lick but he he did come up with the lick but
1: well yeah but Billy. he had some inspiration it's like
0: anything right, there else there's go.
1: nothing new under the sun
0: no no <laughs> we all we all steal ideas <laughs> that's called rock and roll people
1: right all right tell me who was on this all right so on
0: this uh so the musicians on this album were mick jagger uh leading backing vocals and and he actually played electric guitar on uh some of the cuts as well keith richard is on electric guitar and backing vocals with ronnie wood on electric guitar and backing vocals bill wyman's on bass and charlie watts is on drums and then they also used uh some additional personnel which was Ian mcclagan On the World, Sir, in electric piano. Mel Collins is on tenor saxophone, which I didn't know because I think uh, Bobby Keys was still not back in the picture yet. And Sugar Blue on harmonica. And uh, you can probably tell us about Sugar Blue and the other people.
1: Yeah, well, Sugar Blue... I think Sugar Blue is still around. He's he toured, he is. toured for quite a while and, and still plays. But uh, um, I don't know if they heard him. Did you hear that ding? I did. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going not... to make sure that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs>
0: well, I don't think it was on my end, was
1: it? No, it was on mine.
0: <laughs> Maybe the ding was this. Here's my Sugar Blue. Story. I did a gig with Sugar Blue, and I actually believe it was the inaugural Fargo Blues Festival. And uh, Sugar had a cool band, and he was, uh, hmm, he was something. <laughs> he was good. <laughs> he was a hot mess, but he was good. Great band.
1: <laughs> all so. right. So, yes. Oh, so, all right. Well, Sugar Blue's real name is James Whiting and uh and Mel Collins on sax Ian McLagan as as Mick said but uh Collins uh Mel Collins had played with King Cribson. um McLagan had been with the, in the in the Faces yep. of course with Ron Wood right Sugar Blue was from Harlem but he was playing in the Paris Metro in the subway when someone from the Stones record company heard him and brought him to the sessions
0: he was hanging out on the streets, I
1: believe. Yep, <laughs> yep. He was playing. He was busking basically in the Paris Metro, yeah. and uh, and got pulled in that way. So yep, that's how he ended up on uh, on Miss You. So um, Miss You hit number one U.S. Billboard Hot 100. At the end of the year, it was ranked number 16. It was beat out by a number of Bee Gees songs and Andy Gibbs songs. Hey, brothers. And just edged out by Eric Clapton's Lay Down Sally. So.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about any of that. But. Yeah.
1: All right. All right. Well, the lyrics were seemingly inspired by Mick Jagger's deteriorating relationship with his wife, Bianca. Um, Bianca Jagger uh, Although Jagger has said He has claimed otherwise Saying misuse an emotion It's not really about a girl To me the feeling of longing Is what the song is And a lot of the the lyrics Were actually improvised in the studio So while the band played Jagger came in with different lines To fit the music And as a result Some of the lyrics are less than meaningful And a little repetitious but, I mean, some of the cool stuff comes in there, too, you know, like, tch, 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 what's the
0: matter with two bowls? Yeah. I mean, that's really cool. So, anyway. You can tell it was, you know, I mean, I guess you can't tell it was improv, but, I mean, it was, it definitely fits the song. And in, in, in he's talking about, you know, a bunch of different things. And
1: sure. That's what makes it cool. All right. You keep going from here.
0: All right. So, uh the influence that there's uh, soundtracks and covers and quotes and other songs in 2002 music producer Dr. Dre released a remix of the track and it was used by the Rolling Stones on their 4 Flicks documentary which was which covered uh, their 40th anniversary Licks tour. And this remix was also featured in a 2002 film Austin Powers in Goldmember which I didn't I guess I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, I don't
1: think I remember that either.
0: Keep going, man. All right, now I'm <laughs> So, Miss You became the Rolling Stones' eighth and final number one single in the United States on its initial release in 1978. This was the first single released from some girls, like you said, and it was released a month before the LP was actually released. And Jagger took the lead role on the album, mainly because... Well, Keith Richards had been arrested for drug possession in Toronto the previous year, and it was unclear what his sentence would be. So facing a maximum of life in prison, Keith had other things to worry about besides making an album. After this was released, a Canadian judge sentenced Richards to continue his addiction treatment and to play a benefit concert for the blind.
1: Yes, indeed. So, anyway, Miss You plays in the first scene of the first episode of Miami Vice, which ran from 1984 to 89 on NBC. It was the first of many famous songs that were used in the series, which was about two undercover cops fighting crime in Miami. So, (laughs) the same episode used Phil Collins' In the Air Tonight in a climactic scene, helping give that song considerable Cachet in America. Yes. And we'll be right back after a brief this. pause. <laughs> I bumped the record player, man. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. At least it didn't skip all over the place. So.
0: Well, no, that's because the needle's playing, <laughs> <land>, though.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Beast of Burden. I love this song. And um, yep. for you guitar players out there that, that are really into Keith Richards' open tunings and uh, and a lot of that stuff, Beast of Burden is not in an open tuning, so... I, it took me a while to learn that when we played that song live. That uh, in and I think he hands. used
0: a, I think he used a six string on there. Actually, I think yep. it's
1: six strings. And, uh, but uh, what I love about that song is the way he and Ronnie weave back and forth in there. And it yeah, was yeah, you know, it was always fun to listen to. Well, it still is to listen to to the two of them play on stuff like that, where you don't know who's playing what. And yep. I know that Keith had said before, he doesn't know who was playing what half the time.
0: No, so. well, yeah. yeah. Remember? <laughs> I he know. had just been arrested.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> he was cleaning up by then. So anyway, yeah. Um, he was. So a beast of burden is an, usually a domesticated animal that labors for the benefit of man, such as an ox or a horse. And uh, so the, you know, Keith basically wrote a lot of the... Um, some he wrote some of the lyrics. He wrote he wrote the music to it, and that's sort right. of sort of the uh, you know <clears throat> the general gist of the song is that uh, i right. not going to be In mem- a
0: burden. Right. I remember uh, uh, interview with you know he's saying when and he he did write the majority of that. He said uh, when I was writing it, he said Mick just kind of loves that shit. So (laughs) he goes. He likes that kind of shit. So and uh, it, uh, yeah, it's it's just a great song. And like I said, I mean, it's you know, was Ronnie's first full album with the Stones, but they, uh, Ronnie and Keith, they're locked in on the whole album, but they are locked in together on that song for sure. They just weave in and out. Oh, and yeah. you don't know who's playing what, and it sounds as one, and it's great. Yep.
1: So, all right, and the uh, of course the musicians are the usual, the usual suspects, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> and this this time I don't I don't have any credits for anybody else other than the Five Stones on there, um, that I that I found any place. So yeah, only they know. <laughs> <laughs> so Beast of Burden came in at number eight. In the United States And uh, Billboard praised Its seductive lyrics And catchy R&B flavored And uh, Cashbox (laughs) Magazine said It was a slow But perky ballad With tasty (laughs) guitar licks (laughs) Indeed (laughs) What do you think the song means?
0: Well Jagger says Lyrically This wasn't particularly Heartfelt In a personal way Uh, it's a soul begging song and if if you listen to him sing it that's that's what i get you know it's an attitude song it was one of those where you get uh one melodic lick you break it down you work it up and there are two parts here that are basically the same yes (laughs) (laughs) and i mean that's what that's what makes that song flow and uh the song can be seen as Uh. (laughs) allegorical allegorical with Richard saying in 2003 when I returned to the fold after closing down the laboratory returning to his drug problems throughout the 70s I came back into the studio with Mick to say thanks man for shouldering the burden that's why I wrote Beast of Burden for him Uh, I realized in retrospect retrospect and, uh, you know, Keith says Mick wrote a lot of it, but I laid the general idea on him. At the time, Mick was getting used to running the band. Charlie was just the drummer. I was just the other guitar player. I was trying to say, OK, I'm back. So let's share a bit more of the power. Share the weight, brother. So There we go.
1: Yeah, so uh, <laughs> in 1984, the song was covered by Bette Midler. And I did not find a version by her. In the vault, hmm. but uh, I'll have to go down. We've misfiled some things, but... Uh, well, they
0: so get lost in the
1: move. Her version reached 71 on the Billboard Hot 100. She changed, of course, some of the lines, you know. So Pretty Pretty, pretty, pretty Girls is My Little Sister is a Pretty Pretty Girl. And it's on her album No Frills. So um, hmm. Cashbox said that Midler appropriately switches from sensitive to sassy vocal delivery and that the production is faithful to the original. And um, a music video was made for this version, for Midler's version, that started out with Midler and Mick Jagger talking in her dressing room before she comes out and performs a song with him on stage. As the song ends, someone throws a pie at Jagger, and Midler laughs at it until she gets hit with a pie herself. The video ends with a picture of both of them covered in pie in a newspaper with the headline, Just Desserts. <laughs>
0: Those little vaudeville <volleyball> people. <laughs> <laughs> give me.
1: <laughs> All right, you got to give me the uh, trivia, the All Chinese right. trivia.
0: So here's some trivia. So the Chinese Ministry of Culture ordered the Stones not to play this when they performed there in 2003 is going to be the first time the Stones played in China, but they canceled because of respiratory disease that was spreading through the country, if y'all remember that. Right. And... So, yeah. Uh, Go ahead. And, some, and sometimes misunderstood as a put-down, this is a rare song, blah, 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 song that treats women as equals. Jagger sings that he don't need no beast of burden. Right on. So and then uh another quick thing uh you know for us i remember back in in my childhood uh the stones were on saturday night live this year and it was i think near the end of the tour and this was one of the three songs that they did and mixed voice is absolutely trashed oh yeah And it is probably one of my favorite versions of this song.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was a very memorable one, where the the Stones um, were, I I think, what did uh, Mayor Koch, somebody was, he hosted, but... the Stones basically were the, the musical guests and the co-hosts during the
0: show right. itself. You know? with so Ed, they, they have, right,
1: with Yep, they appear in a lot of skits and, and stuff. Yeah, whatever,
0: they have, you know? yeah, they appeared in the Billy Goat skit with a uh, member Ron. Ronnie. I actually think John Belushi takes Ronnie and throws him out the door. <laughs> <laughs> of, of the cafe of the yep. Billy Goat.
1: I remember the whole thing with uh, Mick Jagger and... Uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd uh, played Tom dirty. Snyder about. Uh, <laughs> yes, <yeah. The laughs> colors Jack, in your. Yes, hair. Yes, Jagger talking about this amazing number of colors in your hair. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Classic people. Classic. James. Oh, with that we're YouTube. gonna we're gonna take a commercial break, and I do have to say that um, yes, we do actually have a commercial for this break. Um, so, um, and. Uh, Interestingly to me, it's uh, it's actually from a breakfast cereal. And why they wanted to, you know, sponsor our show, I don't know. But we'll uh, we'll take their money, okay? Yeah. It's
0: We're the already top Pop of the morning, Rice Krispies. Wake up in the morning, there's a snap around the face.
1: Wake up in the morning, there's a crackle in your face. Wake up in the morning, there's a pop that
0: really says Rice Krispies to you. And you, and you Pour on the milk and listen to the stander that says it's nice Pour on the milk and listen to the crackle of that rice Get up in the morning to the pop that says it's rice Hear
1: them talking Chris, Rice Krispies
0: It's that top pop oh, of the morning, yes. Rice Krispies pop, pop of the morning <laughs> Pop of the morning, there's a crackle in your face, people
1: <laughs> Alright, we're back <laughs> Gotta stop bumping into that turntable.
0: Fix that record player. Man.
1: Gonna scratch the record. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, anyway, so (laughs) Keith came up with the guitar riff and the line should do be. (laughs) And Jagger wrote the rest. So, and I. (laughs) There there, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) And I presume that. uh, basically, this is just the, the the band of five again. You know, I don't think there's any yep. other uh, any other
0: stuff on there. No. Pretty but, straightforward.
1: Yep, this song went to uh, 31 on the Billboard High 100. You go ahead
0: and tell me more. Well, the lyrics are a bleak picture. <laughs> Let me try that again. The lyrics are a bleak picture of life in New York City. And the Stones always had a love-hate relationship with the U.S. (laughs) Taxes. (laughs) And Mick Jagger's lyrics were often influenced by his thoughts on the country. Uh, See, satisfaction, for example. New York, in particular, is a place where you could be wildly successful, but it also is a city filled with crime, drugs, and poverty. It should be noted that the Stones have taken shots at their home country of England as well notably on Hang Fire, off of Tattoo You. So uh, go ahead and tell us about the influence <laughs> and the covers, the quotes.
1: You know. you know, I wish I could come up with a copy of this. So in 2013, which, you know, it's only 10 years ago, which is like six months ago in rock and roll time, yeah. uh, Eddie Vetter played the guitar while Jeannie Triplehorn sang Shattered doing a Julie Andrews impression.
0: Wow. (laughs) Speaking of hang fire, there may have been a little influence there. Oh my
1: gosh. Just after it was released, the stones performed it on Saturday night live. So this is the same, the same show where Jagger's voice is just hosed on, uh, yes. On beast of burden and stuff. But, uh, Some people have said it's not a great performance, as the band had some libations backstage before they went on. But, (laughs) and this is classic, it was memorable for Mick Jagger licking Ron Wood on the lips for about five seconds.
0: Well... You know, <laughs> this stuff
1: just didn't happen on TV back then, but it's it, it happened with
0: the stones, it <laughs> was live, yes. And I still remember, I don't remember if it was on Shattered or Beast of Burden, uh, on on that on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Mick actually pretty much tears, rips his shirt off. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, so yeah, I don't know, I can't, can't remember which if that was on
0: Beast or. <clears throat> On on Saturday, may have been during. You know, I'm in tatters. I don't. Yeah, no,
1: I'm gonna. Know. I'm gonna have to go back and uh, take a look at that. I've got I've got the DVD of that that season of Saturday yeah. Night Live. But um, and then uh, <clears throat> so then and Jagger sings, you know, schmatta, schmatta, schmatta. I can't give it away on Seventh Avenue. This town's been wearing tatters. All and right. there actually is some meaning to that, even though it just sounds like you know, he's just kind of riffing on something, but you know, right. So the fashion district in New York city is on seventh Avenue and schmata is slang for an old, old worn clothing. So schmata, 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 I can't give it away on seventh Avenue. This town's wearing tatters. It's sort of what that's,
0: that's all about. Right. Yeah. And of course, uh, go ahead, bite the big apple. Right. Yeah. Don't mind the maggots. <laughs>
1: Pilot high, yeah, on a platter, and then it just money high on a platter, (laughs) and then it just ends. (laughs) Yeah. All right, we're gonna go out with that, and take a break, and come back for some trivia before we leave, y'all.
0: Awkward silence. (laughs)
1: Throwing that in here it's just because I know that Mick and I both love that song. <laughs> it is such a cheesy take on country Western stuff. But and it's, and uh, here it's on some girls, <laughs> all yeah. albums,
0: you know. But yeah, uh, and it doesn't and it, it's just about I mean, when Nick was asked about it, he was driving through Bakersfield <laughs> on a Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Early Sunday morning. Through Bakersfield. Yeah. listening to gospel music on the colored radio station, because that's the only thing that was <laughs> <laughs> on. So... <laughs> all right, well, it's time for some trivia. All right, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you ten questions related to the Some Girls album, Ooh. and you got to see what you can come up with. All right. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> Me, mm-hmm. Give me a second here while I uh, I run the randomizer. And, uh, all right, give me, give me a glimmer. <clears throat> so, and there's there's a uh, multiple choice if you need them. All right, number one. Cool. Where where did the Rolling Stones tour to promote the release of Some Girls? Where did they tour? To, pr- to promote the release, and that means what country, basically. So. Oh, America. Yes, yes, they did start out <laughs> in the United States. It was a big U.S. United tour. States of... Yep. Yes. All right. And we already answered this one, so I know you know. Why was the original cover for Some Girls quickly redone?
0: Because they inadvertently <laughs> used uh, copyrighted material, or, or I say... Photos of people that they didn't get permission to use. That's correct. Yeah. Um, I love that.
1: Uh, so, yeah. Um, so there were 20 cutouts, I guess, which matched up with photos, you know. And so it showed the stones. It showed some female celebrities. Uh, everybody looks like they're an ad for wigs. I mean, that was the whole yes. kind of gimmick for that.
0: Yeah.
1: But then, uh, oh, yeah, Raquel Welch was in there, too. Ooh. So anyway, um, so and Farrah Fawcett too was in there. Now it's coming back. Really? To me. Yeah. Anyway, some of the some of the the ladies complained. Um, yeah. Anyway, so the cover was redone to take them out. Um, the CD version, CD version of some girls <laughs> uses drawings, none of them resembling celebrities in the wig ads. So anyway all right number,
0: number three th-
1: number three watch the taillights fading there ain't a dry eye in the house sang keith richards in before they make me run to what real life event was he referring
0: he was referring to when he got busted he was <laughs> <Yes. laughs> in another country yes. in canada he so was he like- was
1: actually a uh, yeah he was going to go to trial for for heroin trafficking because he was he was uh he was stopped in Toronto and arrested for possessing cocaine and an amount of heroin sufficient enough to qualify for trafficking so that it wasn't time. just it wasn't just holding it it was right. what they could charge you with for intent to sell so uh so anyway um they were thinking at the time it could be you know keith might be going away this this might yeah. be his last uh the 78 tour might be the last time he got to play and yeah. then, um, and then it turned out that uh he he got <laughs> he got let off by having to play what a concert for the
0: blind the blind and in and, and actually uh I think most of the stones were there, but I, I think it was actually the new it was Ron Wood in the new Barbarians. Yeah, it was which the new bar, new Barbarians. Yeah, and, I'm pretty sure Mick there. I, I think I think they all were there. But yeah. So It was kind of billed as and uh, <clears throat> let's see what <laughs> word around the campfire is that <clears throat> they kind of knew Trudeau, who was Prime Minister at at the time, and I think Trudeau probably. May have had a hand in the sentence for Keith. <laughs> sure.
1: There's it's a lot of intrigue that went on with that whole tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All right. Here's an easy one What New York City location is mentioned in Miss You?
0: Oh, I can't. Uh, in Miss You? Yeah. Miss you. How is that an easy one? (laughs) Because Shattered is Seventh Avenue. I've been walking. Oh, Central Park. I've been walking Central Park,
1: (laughs) singing after dark. People think I'm crazy.
0: Yes. (laughs)
1: Central
0: Park. All right.
1: All right. Number five When the Whip Comes Down is a song about a young man hustling. On the seamier streets of Manhattan. According to the lyrics, how does his mother feel? She's glad uh,
0: glad that he's Uh mama's so glad that he's not on the dole. Not on so, the dole. Yeah. And for for you people like, What's the dole? Not the pineapple. In <laughs> England, the the dole is the welfare system, I believe. Right. Yeah, of, you know, it's just right? like getting welfare. Yeah. There so. you go.
1: So yeah, I'm feeling a need, I'm plugging a hole. My mama's so glad I ain't right. on the dole. I ain't on the dole. All right. Um, well, we already know. What was the name of the session musician who lent his sweet and colorful harmonica to some of the Sun Girls songs?
0: I forgot his real name, but Sugar Blue.
1: Yeah, James Whiting, Sugar Blue. Yeah. So yeah, so... He ended up meeting Mick in Paris and, uh, he repeated, he (laughs) participated in the Some Girls recording sessions and, uh, especially playing on Miss You, um, and on Some Girls, the, the the song itself, Some Girls, um, and hang on a second here, I gotta check one thing, oh, okay, that's coming up anyway, so never mind, all right, um. I just didn't want to give away one of the later answers here.
0: Ah, Oh, no, that would be eating.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll go on to number seven then. Just My Imagination, Running Away With Me was the only track from Some Girls not written by the Stones. What legendary group first performed
0: the song? I want to say, don't give me uh, choices. I think it's, the Temptations.
1: It is the Temptations, yes. Yeah. So it was a number one single for the Temptations, released right before uh, Eddie Kendricks left left the Temptations. But okay, uh, but I, I, you know, it, it's uh, it was the second. This isn't even a, really a question, but it was the second Temptations song to appear on a Rolling Stones album. Do you know what the first one was?
0: I do believe I do. Boom, I know you're going to leave me. Boom, boom, boom. you down. Ain't Too Proud to Beg.
1: Ain't Too Proud to Beg, yes. Was on uh, It's Only Rock and Roll. So Love no. that song.
0: I love, the, I love their version. I love the original too, but... All right.
1: Who is widely believed to be the subject... And this may not be who you think it is. Who was widely believed to be the subject of respectable?
0: <clears throat> hmm. Now well, you're respected I think, in society. Right. My first thought is Margaret Trudeau, but that may not be correct. It's not correct. See? <laughs> <laughs> if it's not Margaret
1: mm-hmm. Trudeau, though, who would it be that Mick might be singing to?
0: Hmm. Bianca?
1: (laughs) Yes. So they had married in 71, but their marriage was under pressure because of Jagger's philandering ways, you might say. Um, Wild eye. (laughs) And a lot of nightlife and jet setting and everything else. So um, anyway, so the the lyrics are like... um, you know, you're rag, trade girl. rag trade girl, the queen of porn, porn. you're the uh, easiest yeah. lay on the White
0: House, or... <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> so, anyway, so it's some some people have interpreted it as his, his way of telling his wife that she owed her pillar of society standing to him because <laughs> she was hmm. really big into uh activism and stuff, and uh, right, the only reason that he's it's kind of insinuating that the only reason that anybody would take her seriously Listen. is because, yeah. So. Because of him. Uh, right. All right. <laughs> now, it's, see, this is nice that we play, played a little bit of Far Away Eyes, because the next question is, what motivated the protagonist of the song Far Away Eyes to run 20 Red Lights? You're <laughs> so pleased to be informed of what?
0: I was so pleased to be informed
1: of that this. Jesus, yes, that Jesus is always
0: by your side.
1: That's right. You always have the Lord by your side. The Lord is by your side.
0: Yeah. I ran twenty red lights in His honor. That's
1: Thank great. you, Jesus. All right. Thank you, Lord. Last one before we're out of here. The Rolling Stones performed eight of the ten songs from Some Girls during their 1978 tour. Yes. They omitted, believe it or not, this one's now a standard, they did not play Before They Make Me Run, and one other song from Some Girls they didn't play.
0: Well, and I don't have the track list in front of me, but I'm trying to think. They did Far Away Eyes. They did uh, The Temptation Song. I believe they did lies I'm trying to think which one they didn't do live would have been um is it just my imagination when the whip comes down beast of burden hmm I guess I'm going to have to is there a
1: you've already gone through your multiple
0: choices here so (laughs) so so it's one of those? No,
1: yeah. Well, no, it's not one that you've mentioned. Huh.
0: Wow. We <laughs> have to go back and because it starts out with What well, does it start out with?
1: Well, for a group that uh didn't usually mind controversy, they thought this song would be too controversial to play live. Uh, some girls. Some girls. So yes, from the album Some Girls. <laughs>
0: And I'm not sure if they've ever played it live.
1: Uh, 1999, I guess. Um, U.S. Oh. tour, they played some girls, and I don't know that they've played. Was that on No
0: Security? Uh, maybe. and maybe that
1: that that might have been one of the songs that you know people could. They 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 got around right. to having people on the internet able to
0: to request right. songs and stuff. But uh, yeah, and I remember. Neither I think it was Nick talking about you know the controversy and, and all uh, <clears> that, not to not to sway in a different area, but they've also d- decided recently within the last couple of years that they will no longer play brown sugar. You know? Yeah, no, they they took they took that one out of the
1: rotation for this this tour for the, their most yeah. recent stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No filter, I believe. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well.
1: Um if you want to know more about the Rolling Stones you can go to songsyoushouldknow.com and uh listen to some of our podcasts you can also go to wikipedia of course and songfacts.com you've got the entire internet at your disposal. Use it people. We do. <laughs> yes, we do. All right. <laughs> Until next time, Jumbo and the mixture out.
0: We're out. It'll be sooner uh, than two years.